base. The final frontier, I think? I'm not really sure. It's kind of unlimited and infinite, you know, for it to be final. It's one of the things I kind of never understood about Star Trek. Star Trek is always like, space, the final frontier. And I'm like, how is it final? You have no idea. It could lead to some, like, other alternate dimension. So that, that but that kind of goes on with the theme of this episode. As we see Brad Pitt journey to the outer edges of, wait, he's only going to the solar system? That's it? He doesn't even go past <laughs> Pluto? He goes to fucking Neptune? Yeah, Lame. he doesn't go that far. To find his dad and save humanity. Well... Kind of, sort of, but that's what we're here to talk about. I'm, I am Guardians once again... of the Galaxy? Uh, no, not that. I am once oh. again Dom the Movie Nerd, the one and only. By the way, are we just going to make that like my official title now? Just like Dom the Movie Nerd? Like, forget my last name. Just be like Dom the Movie Nerd? I think it's fitting. All right, that's what I think, yeah. too. And I'm back once again with my very faithful co-host, Chris Ivanko. Chris, how What's you doing? What's going on, guys? Great to be here yes. yet again. Always. Great to have the first few episodes out in the air, and now yes, this one too. Definitely, we're, yeah, we're gonna do that. That's gonna be that. that that's gonna be fun. Um, but we're not here to talk about our previous efforts. We're here to talk about the thing that we have going on today, which is Chris. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Ad Astra. Which what is, does that mean? Ad Astra. I I, I know what it means. Just, oh, he knows his Latin. That that's yeah, Latin, right? It means yes. It means two stars in Latin. All right. And I learned that because they said it in the movie. Oh, damn, that must have been one of the so, parts that I fell asleep during. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's how I know that. Yep. And, uh, you know, another thing I know is that I don't want to start off this conversation because I, I have opinions on this movie, but... Ooh, so, so something tells me that they're not going to exactly be the greatest of opinions. I mean, well, I, I shouldn't, you, you know that. what, I, sh- I shouldn't say that because friggin', um... Opinions are subjective, there's no such thing as a good or bad opinion, it's just the internet... Let's put that mantra in our minds because mm-hmm. fuck the internet. But fuck the internet. Fuck the internet. Sir. Oh my god. Fuck the internet. Um. Yeah. No. So Ad Astra. It's the new movie from James Gray, who is a director that I have kind of been unfamiliar with over the last um, until very recently. Um. He did one movie that I know of from 2007 with Joaquin Phoenix and Mark Wahlberg called We Own the Night, which I heard was good. And uh, he also did a movie two years ago with Charlie Hunnam, Robert Pattinson, and Tom Holland called uh, The Lost City of Z, which I heard was pretty good. But I, I, I haven't seen – those are just movies that I've heard of. I haven't seen anything from this guy, so I really didn't know what his style was like beforehand. So this was kind of a, kind of a new experience because this is one of the first times where I'm going into a movie – for a director with an already established track record. And usually what I try to do with that case is that if they're a well-known director, I try to watch some of their movies beforehand just so I can get like a sense of their style. Like I did that with Jason Reitman for um, Young Adult and Men, Women, and Children. I watched those two movies before I watched Tully, which he did last year, which I really, really liked. I very, very much enjoyed that movie, even with the twist ending. And Which again, it, to me, that's not really a twist because I kind of saw it coming. But yeah, with this movie, um, James Gray directs Brad Pitt as uh, Roy McBride, who is an astronaut who is called in by NASA and discovers that uh, that there's a series of electrical surges that are going throughout the solar system and they're messing with everybody's electricity and it's causing worldwide havoc. Probably the best way that I can preface the intro of this movie is that it's Armageddon, but for intellectuals. If I had to probably say that in the smartest, like, easiest to get across way possible and so it's in the future uh it's we're to the point where mankind and humanity has colonized the moon the moon has kind of become like a tourist trap spot 
Like, there's a little bit of narration in order to help explain a lot of what's going on. There's and an Applebee's. This, there is an Applebee's on the moon, yes. And so the whole thing is that, is that um, it's revealed that Brad Pitt's father... Um, in the movie, Clifford McBride, portrayed by Tommy Lee Jones, was one of the forebearers of this project called the Lima Project, which was an experiment to journey to the outer reaches of the solar system in order to try and discover if extraterrestrial life is a thing. And so, but but they assume that that mission was compromised because they haven't heard from it in years, and it was assumed that his dad was dead. And all of a sudden, he's brought in to do this mission after these electrical surges are happening and kind of fucking around with everything on Earth. And he's basically told by NASA, "Yeah, we're pretty sure your dad is alive, and that the Lima Project—that's the name of the project—is responsible for these surges. And we need you to go to Mars by way of the Moon in order to try and make contact with your dad, and so that we can find out what the fuck is happening." And that's basically the general gist of this movie, Chris. I didn't think I did with that. It's pretty accurate. Thanks. Yeah, it's a very accurate summarization. Yeah, I, I think uh, let's let's talk about like the nit and grit of it though. So yeah. that that's that's sort of I mean a that's general, kind of what we're here to do, right? Exactly. So that's sort of a general overview of what the film is. But what did you think of the film? Now, what I thought. Well, I thought that's funny because I we we always do this thing where you always kind of ask my opinion first. You know, me as the host, obviously. So that that, that makes sense. But I kind of wanted to get your thought process on it first because my thing that I do is I always like to. Not kind of tell people why they're wrong, but I, I like hearing other people's thought processes and kind of like picking no, apart like and figuring. Why yeah, they're I wrong. really do. I really fucking do. I get a lot of satisfaction. It's from all right. Them, but I'll, hey, that's I'll the one thing that sets me apart. I'll be honest about that up front and foremost. That's something that nobody else will do. Uh, no, but go. no, but no, but in all seriousness, I like picking apart people's brains and kind of figuring out where they're coming from with an argument because it usually gives me a lot of credence and kind of I would like to think helps me make me a better critic overall. Is you know is that the whole thing that we always talk about with the internet and kind of the reason behind this show is that everyone kind of always is just shouting and screaming their voices into the void without actually listening to anybody else. And that's kind of what I want to change. I want to be somebody who listens to other people's opinions and kind of not validate them per se, but kind of just like get, get an understanding of where they're coming from. So Chris, what did you think of Ad Astra or To The Stars? I think that for as much good as there was in this movie... There, there was, was a lot of it. There was a lot of it. There was an, a lot equal amount share of terrible. And what I mean, what do I mean by that? So, the first thing that I want to talk about is the special effects and the set design. Amazing. Loved it. Amazing. I loved it. It. I, I love that there was like an Applebee's on the moon. I love that there was a subway on the moon. I love that we. It's the first movie that felt tangible as far as what getting to that point of society could feel like, and so that was really cool to me. I thought it was very interesting to sort of see the way that people were just like, yeah, okay, I'm on the moon. It's not a big deal. We're on the moon. It's I work here. I live here. I've, I was born here. I'm like a third generation uh, moon child. And yeah. that's moon fine. children and Mars children. Like, that's the thing. Like, the idea of legit aliens that are also human in this world is a thing because like you know yeah. when he gets to mars and meets ruth nega mm-hmm. she's like yeah i was born here i'm like holy shit and like, i love yeah and i that's love crazy that, to um, think that, that we're at that point in the future you know where we're just like yeah we're settling on the moon you know that's like i feel like that stanley kubrick's vision actually brought to life yeah exactly and i love that the space force wasn't a silly thing it was well how do you police space the, the, the solar <laughs> system you need a team of specialists just like you do on earth you need cops to patrol the counties and make sure you you know what i'm trying to say and i thought that was really cool and it felt real like the the thing i would say about all of this is that visually the special effects it felt it felt real it felt like that's what it would look like in space the the set design and the way that they like we spent a lot of time on the moon so i'm going to go to the moon a little bit more over mars but even mars 
felt like okay this is what really, it would be like really? to colonize Mars. Th- Mars was the whole second act Moon was just the the transition from the first to the second act and as, as opposed I, I felt like we spent more time on Mars I mean I could be totally wrong but Mar- I just because Mars was the whole second act so I felt like yeah you were on okay so I, I guess let me rephrase that a lot more happened on the moon it, all right my, yeah okay my, I, I get okay now okay i get what you're coming there was from a there. lot more i think to go off of from when we were on the moon than when we were on from mars but so one of the things i think that was really winning for this movie was the the, the set design and the special effects do you agree with that yeah absolutely like but that that's no question like i feel like that's kind of like if you're doing a space movie a, a movie that or a, a movie that's primarily set in space and those aren't like the two things that immediately get nailed right off the bat and you're clearly doing something wrong so i mean right. yeah they, they got that because the by yeah. nature of the beast they're doing a movie in space they kind of have to and so, with their budget they should have nailed yeah, it definitely so i'm giving that the win column check mark there but it's sort of like would should be a given yeah the, the now now the other thing I really liked about the movie was like the co- like the costumes it, it felt believable like it it, it wasn't no, nothing was over the top it, it didn't get in the way of the narrative it didn't get in the way of the story like it, it was it was cool it was the setting but it wasn't like uh, like a Blade Runner where like sometimes the environment sort of takes away from the story because it's so overwhelming and in your face oh, it wasn't really? that kind I of sci-fi that, I never got that that sense from so to me like that's what makes good sci-fi is when you have a setting like that you know where the, the setting becomes a part of the story I guess it depends on what you're looking for for me though I was looking for more of a narrative in this movie and I felt right. that it was stitched together at best definitely okay and I, that, I think yeah. that there was poor choices in post i'm just speculating here everyone just so you know but to me having brad pitt give narration throughout the course of the film that seemingly made me feel like oh this this director thinks i'm an idiot that uh, my eyes don't work and i have to have him say what is exactly happening on screen and how he's feeling that just feels like really that makes me think that it tested poorly and that they're like how do we save this film and that was like there let's let's do this so that and aside, we can dive more into the plot. I want to start there and let's let's crack this egg open as we go because I, I have much issues with the plot. Of this yeah, movie. definitely. And I'm not gonna lie, you're you're honest. You're actually right in a lot of sense. This is a movie that has been in post production hell for a long time. This movie was originally supposed to come out last year. I remember the first thing I heard about this movie was going through Wikipedia and like just looking forward to like what else to watch for the rest of the year of 2018 last year. And I saw it and I'm like, ooh, what is this? And I clicked on it and I'm like, yeah, I mean the words Brad Pitt space movie immediately stood out in my mind but I look was taking a little bit more of a deeper look into it I'm like oh no this actually sounds really interesting and after having finally saw this movie you're right this movie was a post-production nightmare and there were a lot of parts of this movie that felt stitched in and put together last minute because it wasn't testing very well with test audiences but I also know and I think this is probably the reason of when we eventually get to my overall final points on this movie as to why I think this way. I feel like the oh, this is one of the few instances, just if we're getting into my general thoughts, this is one of the few instances where my overall feeling towards what the movie is trying to get across overrides all other problems that I have with it. And you're right, those are legitimate problems, all of which that you have brought up. But that is one sense where... I feel like the, the the thematic tone of what this movie is trying to go for in terms of, you know, our relationships with the ones who influence us the most. I feel like that was like that that theme was so strong to me that like all the other ancillary stuff to the point where the other ancillary stuff about like the actual kind of space almost took a backseat to the point where you're right. You literally have Brad Pitt just narrating that they've commercialized the moon. I'm like, no, go more so into that. 
you know, rather than just have like one space chase and boom, you know, they're taken off to Mars. I'm like, no, go into that. I want to see like a little bit of the history of the commercialization of the moon. So in a way, I feel like maybe the central theme and trajectory of this movie, pun intended, maybe almost took away from some of the elements that I love about sci-fi. Because you were talking about, you know, some of like, like a Blade Runner where the, where the world is so intriguing and investigating they can take away from the plot. To me, at least, I find that an increasingly creative world like that, to me, is what makes a movie like that. Because what I found is that in terms of overall storytelling, I found that there are that there's very, very few stories that are actually like really different and unique, and that it's kind of like the same six or if you think about it, Hollywood really has been recycling the same six or seven, not stories, but story ideas, just with different characters and settings and all that. So to me, I find that the more intrinsic the setting is in order to help flesh out the theme and the characters, that to me makes it. And so this was a situation where, in a way, I feel like I wasn't getting enough of the setting. So I love Blade Runner. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't think that there's any parlor tricks, so to speak, in that, in the set design, in the costume design. But I think sometimes sci-fi goes a little too far. What's like an example of one that like... Feels like a parlor trick? Yeah, where it feels like... Not feels like a parlor trick, but like to the point where it feels like it's distracting you from what's going on. And you feel like they're using it to overcompensate for what what the story should be doing on its own. What the story isn't doing, I would say, is Netflix's Altered Carbon is the first one that comes to mind. Really strong start. Didn't like the series. That's a different episode. So I don't think this movie did that. But what I actually think that this movie didn't do that most sci-fi films do that I think make sci-fi films work is it was just a little too open-ended. Like pirates attack them on the moon. But why are there pirates? Like, what's going on? In yeah, this? that is kind of one of those things. That, that is kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, it's, it's in the background, and you should have like a good enough knowledge of like the world in general and like socioeconomic politics that that come from settling new areas in history. That like you should just kind of that should come with common sense. I will say that's probably one of the things that probably would have helped in the narration you know if, if they'd focused on those areas rather than just yeah. kind of like having the narration be kind of like an inner monologue for brad pitt which i don't mind that because i i like i said I'm, I'm usually pretty hit or miss when it comes to narration like with me narration voiceover narration like that either really works or it really doesn't and this was one of those instances where i'm kind of in the middle on it it just makes me wonder was the pirate scene literally just put in there to put some action in an otherwise very slow moving movie or or was it would it have been excused if the main storyline was strong enough where I was I wasn't invested into the main storyline so I was looking for other things to latch onto because I was visually stimulated and and intrigued and I just wished that there was a stronger narrative. Brad Pitt's journey, it just sort of felt like, okay, well, I can't say no because my commanding officers are telling me to go. So it's not like I had... He never really... It felt like he never really had a choice. And so that's fine. But his journey wasn't that interesting. It was pretty fucking clear and cut, straight line, planet to planet to planet to spaceship. It's like, okay, so all the other stuff that was cool that I want to know about, like why are they warring over... the? Why is the dark side of the moon a warring area? Like... I think in a good narrative, you forgive that and you don't need to know about that because that's just like cool shit that like maybe there's a spinoff or a comic of, but the the main storyline just, I was looking for anything else to entertain me. You, then yeah, the main we're, we're, Does that make sense? Question, what I'm we, to say? No, I, I absolutely get what you're trying to say, but love, my question is were you looking for entertainment in the sense that. 
You know what? Oh, no, I'm not going to go there because th 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 this is one of those movies that it's like it's not setting out to entertain. So in that sense, I can kind of already tell that this was a movie that was going to turn heads because we, we talked about this at nauseam in terms of movies that kind of kind of only do well to entertaining. And a lot of people have brought to the subject of, oh, well, movies shouldn't be made unless they're entertaining. And I am vehemently against that because that's a restriction on art and therefore restriction on free speech and freedom of expression and shouldn't be a thing. My thing with this is, yes, it's absolutely not your... Oh, they're going to space to fight space pirates and go on adventures. You know, that's not what this is. This It's a very introspective film. It's a very personal film, I feel like. And that can turn off a lot of people, you know. Because the whole thing about Hollywood epics is that a lot of the emotional stuff is always secondary. As opposed to the primary storyline, which is what you're supposed to get invested in and be entertained by. A lot of the time when it comes to the personal stuff being upfront and foremost... It, 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 it that's usually where it can get hit, where it can get hit or miss. And in the sense of what you were talking about before with the post production with James Gray, um, you're right. There were certain aspects where it felt like um, James Gray put those in there just to entertain audiences because audiences were bored. And that's I, I feel like that's another thing that we should talk about with this is the idea of audience expectations for movies because I I, I heard. Something similar to that, an argument similar to that, on a Red Letter Media video recently, where they were talking about the, the you know, referencing back to a previous episode of ours, it chapter two, and uh, what I don't know if you've ever watched Red Letter Media, but the 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 redheaded guy Jay hated it, hated it like vehemently, and Jay's whole thing is Jay looks at movies a lot differently, and Jay and Mike, those guys for the most part, they don't like modern day audiences and their perception of most day movies and jay brings up the point where he's like could you imagine if they're trying to do test screenings of the shining now like could you imagine like oh my god people will be complaining every three seconds about how boring it is and i was thinking about it you know the shine is obviously a cultural masterpiece but i'm thinking i'm like yeah he's not wrong fucking if they tried to release the shining you know, as it was back then today, they would never, they would never make it. There would be 15 million different subplots about the different ghosts of the hotel in order to try and make it more entertaining and palatable for a modern day mainstream audience. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because audiences deserve to be entertained, but it does kind of disappoint me where we talk about Disney controlling everything all the time and really only giving us one kind of entertainment. But I also think that to me, at least, a lot of the best films could always strike that good balance between being entertaining while also being really interesting and engaging. Like, a lot of my favorite movies of this year, a few of them, I don't know if I would necessarily call them entertaining, per se. You know, like, some of my favorite movies this year have been The Farewell and High Life and um, Her Smell. You know, and then, like, a, a, a lot of them, like, again, they have glamorization factors that help with the entertainment factors, but I find that, again, a lot of my favorite s stuff is turning out to be more and more personal human stories about people. And this is what felt like that to me. Yeah, okay, and that that's fine, but it didn't... Hmm, how do I word this? So, I see what you're saying, and I think that it just didn't achieve the the personal connection that I was hoping it achieved. I wasn't looking for... You, you missed the personal connection, because the whole point of the latching on point for this movie is... How are you going to emphasize with Brad Pitt and his reaction to discovering that his father is potentially, who he hasn't seen in years, is still alive, and that Matt didn't hit it for you? I have a great way to put it, right? So in a movie where the one thing that should feel real is the connection between father and son, everything else around it felt real. The science fiction, the moon bases, the Applebee's on the moon, Mars, people being born on Mars, all of the things that 
do not exist and do not feel real and we've never experienced and never will in our lifetime felt real aside from the connection between father and son aside from the main narrative nothing to me was compelling about brad pitt chasing after his father it seemed like he was doing fine on his own do you know what i'm trying to say yeah this i get what you're trying to short say in the one area it's like everything so else sense, i'm praising is it, is it for everything else i'm praising it for that's like an added bonus if you get it right but without a plot that that pulls you in I mean, I can watch it from multiple perspectives because I've, you know, I appreciate more than one aspect of film. But if I was a normal consumer going to see this movie, and I did hear people yawning in theaters yeah. and saying, "Oh my God, let me," like it, it didn't have what a movie of its caliber is expected to have, and that's fine. But it didn't have something else that made it great, in my opinion. Okay, it just fell flat from a narrative right. perspective, and, 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 and that's fine because, um, I guess in that sense, then, so would you say that because? I don't know if that just comes down to the performances or the direction, but you just felt that because of with how Brad Pitt portrayed that type of a character, it did the, the struggle didn't feel as relevant or relatable in the sense of because you kind of we've never been in the position where, um, you know, for lack of a better word, daddy issues. You know that that's always a thing that like you see like freaking like get gets attributed to like you know sex and shit, you know kinky sex thing and things and shit like that. But um, maybe because we've never been in an instance where we can relate. Per se, because we've never been in that situation where, oh, my dad is on the edge of the solar system doing work and I haven't heard from him in years, you know, outside of like a few video recordings, you know? Yeah, I mean, I get it. No one's had that experience, but it's still like, I didn't care about their family. Like, watching... um well, because it was non-existent. That's the whole yeah, thing. That their family saying. was non-existent, right? The, like, the, their and mom. Like, you, you, you don't even see his mom except for, like, one flashback where she's, like, holding him and you can barely even see her face, like, barely even see her outline. Like, she's not even a character in the movie. It's, for example, like, even a movie as... This just came to mind randomly, so it's the first example I have. But even a movie as silly as, like, let's say Meet the Fockers, for example, right? Like, I still care more about their family thread and their intertwined connection than I do about this movie, which is far more serious with a far more deeper meaning, uh, you know, far more internal struggle, air quotes, that's supposed to be presented. And it just sort of felt like a very lackluster performance, too from pretty much all of the actors, everything was so monotone and and so serious and which is fine for when it's supposed to be that way, but it, it never like I was never scared for them when the pirates were attacking them. I was never just like, oh, they shot a hole in his uh spacesuit. He's going to die now. Like I never Yeah, that sense of tension was kind of never there. I wanted to care, man. I really like Brad Pitt, and I don't think it was a bad performance. Like, it's any other actor's best performance, but when you have literally one of the greatest actors of our time... Yeah, who already gave one of the best performances of the year, too. I was hoping for a hot streak, and I don't think I got that with this movie, and... Like, everything else was great about this film, but the acting and the writing, and, and, and... what did they just need Liv Tyler in this movie? Because yeah, that, that's film? the one thing I will say. Like, like, of, of all the things that were added in post production that really didn't bother me, that was the only thing of where I felt, oh yeah, that, that was added last minute, and it felt like a last minute add too. I'm like, wow, why does she even need to be in this movie? You know, like in terms of like the humanization, it's definitely a situation where the post production kind of fucked this movie, and it was also a thing of where again, keep bringing this up, the Disney Fox murder. This was another movie that again, like Fox was trying to produce, and they just they they were not getting the money because they were getting ready for the Disney merger. That's literally. I'm just attributing every single Fox release this year to, regardless of whether it was actually affected by that or not. Because 
You have to assume that it is because Disney has gone out of their way to tank every single other Fox release. So the fact that this is one that for the lack for that for once didn't, but it still lost the box office to Downton Abbey is which is hilarious <laughs> to me. The movie, but that just but that should just show you like the state of theater going in general. Like right, well just theater here, going. Let let let's let's change gears a bit here, right? So we know how I felt about it. Amazing cinematography, amazing special effects, super believable world building. But I just I could care less about. The storyline, it wasn't compelling. I didn't care about the actress' performances. I think that's how I feel about it in a nutshell, right? So, I, like I said from the top, it's 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 around a 50-50 for me right now. Maybe as I, I, I think on it, my mind will change. But I, I don't think by that much, especially since I've had a week now to sort of digest and take this all in before this chat. And so, I mean, it felt like you were sort of going off of what I was saying, but like, what does the movie nerd think about this film do you agree with me do you disagree with me or do you have your own complete spin let's, I mean, let's hear it man I mean I kind of went into my thoughts on it a little bit so I'm not gonna lie I was super high the first time I watched this movie and I <laughs> fell asleep during the entire second act I literally I Pulling fell asleep back the like, don't, don't be real like, it was freaking like I was in and out throughout the first act and I barely knew what was going on and it's like you said like I'm high it's monotone it, it, like, like I said that, that, that stuff doesn't bother me but it is a very monotone it is a very slow paced movie and if, 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 once if I'm not like now. if I'm not in the zone to be able to take that in and appreciate that then I'm, go I'm gonna fall asleep so I fell asleep yeah. during the entire Mars portion like I don't remember I didn't remember a goddamn have you seen thing it once it. or twice I this is I watching it last night was my second time watching okay so it. You, you're you're familiar with okay yes cool. I'm, 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 sure. yeah, I'm familiar I, I watched the movie in its just so everyone now. knows yes Dom does his homework even when he gets too stoned in the theater he will recover for oh, our absolutely. show. No, every single movie that I've slept through, I have rewatched at another point. Like, I rewatched Bohemian Rhapsody when I slept through that entire thing. I rewatched American Animals when I slept through that entire thing. Now, and what I, does that say about this film? No, seriously, let's unpack this. What does that say about this film? Because I've seen a lot of movies with you that you were high at and you do not fall asleep. But why this one did you fall asleep? Uh, what does that say about well, this film? Well, that's the thing. Why, did I, why was I high and I fell asleep during Bohemian Rhapsody? Well... What does that say about that film? Exactly. Because like, there's American movies Animals. that you've been high for that you stayed awake for. Yeah. I don't think it's just because you were high in the theater you fell asleep, right? There's got to be more there. Or, or not and there. All, all, you know what I'm trying to ask It's you? also just a thing that I've like, attributed to myself, you know, where it's like, you know, if I'm like not in the zone, you know. But like watching it a second time, like I'm not of the opinion that you should have to watch movies twice in the theater in order to get a full... Re re um, What's the word I'm looking for? In order to get a full picture of, of what to expect in order to really form an opinion on. But... When I watched this a second time, and I said this to everyone, I'm like, thank freaking God I watched that a second time. Because I felt like there was so much that I could appreciate about the movie. And it's like I said, up top, it's to the point where all of those problems that people have. And again, they are legitimate problems I just personally didn't have. Because I found that the center struggle was very, very, was, um, very, very pressing and upfront. And I never once lost that. That, that, that. that was a thing of where I understood what Brad Pitt was feeling in the sense that um, it, it didn't really matter, per se, kind of how he perceived it or how he placed it. Because the thing, too, is that if you want to talk about a realistic portrayal of somebody who worked for NASA, those guys got to have, I, again, I was talking to my grandma about this yesterday, those guys got to have nerves of steel. Freaking nerves of steel. Like, he is not, so it may come off as an emotionless performance. That's fine. That's what he's supposed to have. That's what the role, quite, both literally and the role that he has within the movie itself is forced to require. He is not allowed to have emotion. So in that sense, the fact that we got any emotion from that at all is amazing. And I just feel like kind of, 
everything that was a buildup, it was one of those things where it's very, very dependent on the payoff. The buildup is very, very dependent on the payoff because if you don't get that satisfaction, then the then the buildup, you just feel like you wasted your time, right? And and that's the thing that I have said and that a lot of people of and a lot of other people have said is that they hate to feel like they wasted their time with the, with the movie and. The thing is that the reason why I wanted to give this one the benefit of the doubt and not wait another couple months before it leaked and I wanted to see this right away is because when I left the movie the first time, because I here's the thing, I woke up just in time to catch the third act the first time around. So I caught the entire first act and the entire third act when I watched it the first time. And the third act is my favorite part of the movie when he finally gets to the station and finds Tommy Lee Jones. But there were a few things that were missing. I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense. But I just got that feeling, that moment, watching Tommy Lee Jones drift off into space that I'm like, wow, there is like something so impressive about that. And I don't necessarily know if this comes from the movie itself. It might just come from the idea of the presentation of space and how it's another facet of nature, but at the same time, it's just such this strange, crazy organism in and of itself where there's something so inherently fascinating where there could literally be nothing happening but just the images where he's going from Mars to Neptune and he's going in and out and dealing with, like, for lack of a better word, space dementia. I know, fucking, that's a term that Michael Bay made up in 1998 and it's stuck because he turned into fucking robot dementia in Transformers 5. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> um, where you just see him going insane and then it just cuts to the shot of the sh of the ship drifting past Jupiter. Those shots that I love of, of, the, of the camera like suckered on the side of the, of the craft and you see like the outline of the planet. There's something so majestic about it. And they even dropped a line like that in the movie where they're driving on the moon as they're about to be chased by the space pirates where they're like, yep, the big blue dome never ceases to amaze me. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. There is something so inherently amazing about the visuals and the idea of traveling through space. So this idea that it can be boring, a space movie can be boring to me. Has, I've kind of never really understood that, you know, because there's, but, but again, that's coming from a very personal note of there's always something so inherently fascinating by space that, like I said, unless I'm to the point where I'm inebriated to the point where I can't even maintain consciousness, I'm never going to be bored by that, you know? So that's probably the, the thing that, for lack of a better word, that kept me going through. Right. I wasn't bored. I think I just have high expectations. Science fiction being one of my favorite genres and it just fell short. You know, now I just, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and sort of speak about, like, we've had The Martian, we've had Interstellar, we've had Ad Astra. First Man. First Man. Gravity. Exactly. So, this this weird sort of... Space subgenre is what I'm going to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's that's come about in the 2010s. Do you, do you think we see more of this, or... I don't know, because the one thing that I like about all of those films is that... You really can't compare any one of them because they're all different. You know, Gravity and The Martian tackle the survivalist elements, and those aren't really like journeying through the cosmos. Those are just about surviving and the horrors of being in space and uh, tackling it from a, you know, one from a very um, more realistic standpoint, for lack of a better word, versus one from a more big budget Hollywood standpoint. You know, tons of joke cracking, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you get situations like Interstellar and Ad Astra, which are journeying through the cosmos for both uh, world-ending and personal reasons. And then you get something like First Man, which is kind of a beast in and of itself, where that's more—that's not even really about space. That's a biopic about the guy who we most attribute to space because he's the first guy to walk on the moon. So that's the thing about it is I don't necessarily know if we do see more of these movies because it is such a niche, and you yeah. can't really compare it because every movie I feel like that comes out that tackles that kind of a subject matter does feel so different that I, I can't even necessarily quantify compare them to other than the fact that oh they all 
there's a portion of them that are all in space. It's like this weird subgenre of like, hey, this is this is a space movie, not really a science fiction movie. There's no aliens. There's no laser beams. There's no lightsabers. You, you know what I'm saying? It's it's weird. It's cool, but it's weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like we have a new type of science fiction. And if anything Ad Astra did, and this is why I brought it up, it, 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 it I feel like it took what its predecessors were doing, and now I know it's been in production for a while. It's been in uh, it's been post production hell, post production yeah. hell. But it almost seems perfect that it came out after these films had come before it because it said, "Hey, let's take the realism of like a normal drama, and and these other movies have it sprinkled in there throughout. But let's really just like take that and just put it in space, and yeah. it's like you're watching a soap opera in space. Yeah, kind of. But and it's weird. I don't it, know. Maybe it, that's it, another issue I, I have know. with this I film. I wouldn't necessarily I call this excitement. Awesome. The trailer was very misleading. And that's a problem. I don't. I don't. I barely remember the trailer. That's what they like. I, 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 I just go. So, I, I am just so. I am just so sick of movie marketing in general to this point that I forget about most trailers. I'm not even. Well, kidding. for me, it was a factor because I had watched the trailer prior and was excited. I was excited for this movie and I left disappointed. So yeah. that that's the only reason why I bring up this this new trend of movies that have all sort of left me feeling like, eh. And, and then, like I said, and that's not, and that's just eh. not this these the types Martian. of space eh. movies. Yeah, that's me. That's just me. Okay, that, that's I know just it's the feeling that popular. these movies leave for you. Yeah, I guess it's just I'm, I know I'm not with the grain on that one, but I just have to throw that out there. Right? No, and that's it's fine. Like, that, that, that's actually know? good. I didn't realize that you felt that way about Interstellar because I love Interstellar. Out of, okay. out of this batch it's... of movies, Interstellar is probably my favorite. And it I know a lot blow of people my mind. that like the twist at the end does not blow my mind. I'm like, oh, cool. He's like through the glass and he's there, but he's not. Okay, cool. I don't know. It's just like it's just like <laughs> maybe I, I I'm just an asshole. Pe- I no, don't but know. no. People always no, but you're, people always talk about like visual elements in movies and how we get so so many movies are visuals and spectacle driven that I don't know. I feel like these are the one movies that actually deserve and warrant it. And I feel like those are the movies that like they never let me down in that sense. Like I am always in awe because the whole point of visuals and spectacle is it's supposed to leave you in awe right and I am always come away from these movies even if it's something like probably the one that I can think of the most where I thought that way is First Man where First Man just felt so somber and so melodramatic to the point where it's like oh my god and the space sections to me were not nearly as wondrous as I feel like they should have been so that's probably the only instance where the visual element wasn't enough and the human drama just wasn't there you know yeah well Speaking of, like, the human drama, right? Like, that whole crew that he joins, and and then they don't. Oh, yeah. And they just, like, are following their orders so yeah. intently, and he has to kill them. And then, then, that then, didn't feel believable. He doesn't right. even kill them. They're well, all, like, comical they accidental do it to themselves. deaths. Yeah, they do it to themselves. Comical but, accidental deaths. Like, I even said, like, I'm like, that whole sequence, and also with the way it's treated afterward, that whole sequence is a farce. It is a freaking farce. Yeah, exactly. That really annoyed me. Yeah. That I was like, oh, okay, so now I'm watching uh, Three Stooges. They all just took themselves out. Yeah, like really and, stupidly and- too. Like one flies forward and hits her head, and she's dead. The other guy tries to stab him, and fucking then he accidentally like the, then the idiot new pilot. Uh, who was the co-pilot when they were going from the moon to Mars. Oh, the dude who freaked out? Yeah, handle, yeah, that dude who freaked out actually knocks a pressure. tank loose of nitrogen that like suffocates the other two. Yeah, that, that entire sequence is a farce. Absolutely. 100%. And it was it felt insulting to me as an audience member watching that sequence in such a serious film. See, to me, that was a thing of where it just happened so quickly where I'm like, okay, you, you needed these guys to get these guys out of the way. Yeah, it could have been handled better, but this again, it just it doesn't mo- bother me. Right, you had to get him out of the way because it's about a man and right. his father. But that, Yeah, that was the instance where it's like, okay, that felt like, a, like this didn't feel necessarily natural to the story. Because the other thing, too, is why... 
also the the other problem that that spawns too is why then you know that in any conceivable sense even if he wasn't responsible he would be held accountable for those men's deaths and that he there's no accountability for that at all and that is a problem like he just comes yeah. back and everything's hunky-dory you know? Yeah, that was frustrating well, as well. And the, and the one thing that, but the one thing that I will say that does kind of explain it away is he says, oh, I have to hope that the passage of time, like by the time I get back, you know, because he's going to Neptune. Neptune is like, what, months away? Like years even or something like that? So by the time he gets back to Earth, like who is anybody even going to give a shit about those three or how they died, you know? They're just going to attribute that to like an accident, you know? Yeah, that, that, yeah, I agree. Who knows, man? Because it didn't seem to matter that they died. Yeah. Didn't seem to matter it's, it's to anyone. Very, it's very Tarkovsky-like in the sense of I find it to be... Or I watched a little bit in school two semesters ago. I watched a little bit of the original 1971 Solaris directed by Andre Tarkovsky, which was remade by Steven Soderbergh in 2002 starring George Clooney. And that was probably the closest comparison I could think of in terms of this movie where it's not quite Kubrick in the sense of where the characters literally feel like mannequins that are just there in order to kind of be embodiments of the theme and be played around with by the theme. Like they were actual characters in this movie. That's why I don't want to say that it's like, very Kubrickian, because also there's a fact of, like, a kind of, there's nobody else that does Kubrick besides Kubrick, that's why I don't really understand why anybody ever compares any other director to him, because I have still not seen a single director that has done what Kubrick did with his movies, but with Tarkovsky with the original Solaris, I found that that was asking a lot of similar questions, and kind of, for lack of a better word, giving a lot of human responses and emotions that didn't necessarily feel relatable because they're not the sense of, oh, what would I do if I was in that situation? No, this isn't the type of movie that's going out of its way to kind of make Brad Pitt the everyman that everyone relates to. Like, he is a very specific kind of a character, and James Gray does have a very specific vision with what he's trying to do with it, you know? And I feel like that sense is translated across so well. Like, he nails that so immediately out of the gate. And I think Brad Pitt does such a good job of getting across those emotions with something that is arguably, like you said, monotone. The fact that I am getting all of those beats from him with barely any tonal inflections. Like, to me, that is a masterful performance, you know? I couldn't disagree more, but I see your point. I just couldn't disagree yeah, that, more. That's kind of just like my, where my brain goes. Yeah, and I guess sense. we won't agree on everything. Now, I got to know what you think about this before we, we wrap this up and get out of here. The monkeys. Uh, I mean, well, the, the monkey, but also Tommy Lee Jones. We didn't talk about him at all. I wanted to talk about him and how that might be my favorite Tommy Lee Jones performance, like, ever. Okay, let's talk about yeah. it. First because, off, how bullshit well, was... Once those monkeys came and ate that astronaut... The one monkey, yeah. That was that was. I that said was to dumb. myself, that was what am I watching? Dumb. Yeah, that was This dumb. is terrible. What is this, a jump scare in the middle of a space movie? Yeah. Like, this isn't aliens. Get that Get that out of here. I, that, that... Yeah. That's sour. Yeah, the, the one thing that I will say is that, that the movie, the, the movie kind of did tell you a little bit of like when Focus, you do have tone you do not apparent. You do have Brad Pitt there, kind of saying like, "Okay, why are we stopping here?" Like he kind of does have that, you know. But but again, they do go out of its way, and in terms of like fleshing out and playing around with the world, where it's like, yeah, we, we're we're kind of you know we're, we're we're expected to stop here. This is part of our protocol, and you you you. You, if, if you don't, if you want us to keep going, you have to explain to us why, you know, the mission, because the whole thing is the mission is a secret mission. So the whole thing is, you know, you're just like a guest here. So you kind of have to go along with us, you know? So in that sense, that made sense to me. Um, the whole thing with the monkey, I mean, yeah, it was fine. It was whatever, you know, it, it, it was, it was the, like the scene itself. I'm like, whatever. I, I, I don't really get why this has to be this, why we have to have an alien in, you know, an alien-esque scene. 
in the middle of space. A again, it, it, that's one of those moments. That's probably another one of those moments where, again, it, it's them having to put in a little bit of Hollywood in order to appeal to the masses. And in that, but again, it was so quick, it didn't bother me, you know. And and I think that's probably what gets me through a lot of the scenes that they have that you have a problem with is because I was so locked on to the main tension and struggle that all of these little things kind of just felt like visual representations of the world without having to explain a lot. And I really, really did admire this movie for that because that's not Dude, what a lot of movies do now. I'm okay that there wasn't the generic space character who explains everything verbatim. That's fine. But I don't... Well, except also, for Ruth Nega. When, when he gets to Mars, she basically like explains everything and like kind of fills in the portion that is missing that NASA didn't tell oh, yeah, but that where was Tommy so Lee Jones goes insane and killed everyone when they tried to rebel against him because they were on the edge of the solar system and they weren't having any luck with their mission and so they wanted to go home and fucking Tommy Lee Jones, who has gone had gone insane by that point. And I do think that with, with, with very little screen time too, Tommy Lee Jones did a very good job kind of stressing like kind of how his character had gone off the deep end and like, but you also still understood, oh my God, this is why this guy is revered as one of like the pioneers of his generation like i got all of that with like what five ten minutes of screen time and i feel like it, it because i got such a strong sense from that i very much feel that that what that is why that is one of my favorite timely lee jones performance because timely lee jones has kind of gotten this rap in the age of the internet where um a lot of his personal behind the scenes things once again bleed over into his performances and I don't have a problem with that. It just it kind of does make a lot of his performances come off as stale to me and not nearly as interesting as they could be. Granted, I love him in Men in Black. He's very entertaining to watch in Batman Forever, even though that's not one of his best performances. And uh, yeah, and I also think that the the moment where Brad Pitt kind of like has to let his dad go because his dad's not going to come back, and just seeing that that imagery, just the, just images having that kind of emotional resonance on me, seeing him drift off into space. I was like, wow, that is, oh my God. And how when Brad Pitt screams, it's not the typical Hollywood, no, you know, it's kind of like, it, it's a kind of like this faint echo in your ears and like they're playing around with the sound where you can, you, where you can hear it and you can sense that it's loud, but it's not actually loud because you're only hearing kind of the echoes of it, right? I okay. think that, that, that that was masterful. I'll give you that. And that's I thought the sound and the score was brilliant. I like how you yeah. really felt the vacuum. Yeah, absolutely impeccable. This so, is one of those movies I would recommend. I mean, I would recommend going seeing every movie in a the theater if it yes. gets the theatrical release. But this is one of those movies that I think it's going to be different at home. Yes, if, you, if it's your first time. Even with the best surround sound, there's something about the feeling that the vacuum... They really did a good job creating a vacuum in this yes. movie, unlike, unlike other... People have come close. Yes. This was particularly I'd say that Intercellar point. came the closest, but again, the whole thing with Intercellar is that there was always kind of a destination, you know, for lack of a better word, and so going kind of the idea of going into the unknown and, you know, with the pretty visuals and everything versus this kind of like, there was always kind of a sense of dread that you knew that whatever happened, Brad Pitt yeah. was not going to like what he the found score, on the other I side. I actually like, I mean, for, for as I much the score. The... That score is masterful to me. Yeah. That's probably going to make it into my top five, like, best scores of the year so far. See where I'm going with that is for as minimalistic as the plot was and as the the way this movie left me feeling and as I, I, I like I feel like I'm trying to say I wanted more out of this film for the most part but I do think that if we had gotten more in the areas that I have my gripes with as I've said a few times already throughout the course of this chat the score being so minimalistic it would have been even better I mean it was still an amazing score I just like the score did what the plot did whereas i think if you if you i wanted more from the plot but the score 
was just the perfect accent to every moment. It sort of saved some moments for me, is what I'm trying to say. Like, it, it made some silly moments like, oh shit, like, this is some serious music. Like, I'm thinking now. I'm thinking again. <laughs> the score made me think again, where I was, like, maybe wondering about... Oh yeah, this, mu- this music's making me think, yeah. Where? Even though what I'm watching is, d- in my mind, is dumb as fuck. I don't think it's dumb as fuck, but, like, like where, where I was, like, maybe, maybe I was thinking about, like, where my buddies and I who went and saw this movie were gonna go eat afterwards. Yeah. Then, like, a serious note came on yeah. in the score and I was, like, back in the movie. Yeah. Like, I don't... Yeah, I, this, this is not the type of movie that you go to with your buddies in order to have a great time and go out and eat and talk about afterwards. This is not that kind of a movie. Yeah. Well, you know, that's how it made me feel. What's the matter? Hit, hit, a, hit a nerve there? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, inside jokes. But right? anyways, you know, I think, I, I, I kind of think I've honestly said all I can say about it. Yeah. I think it wasn't an unenjoyable experience. I just felt that with the caliber of actors in the movie and with the budget that I had heard going into it and with how long it had been worked on. Yeah. Oh, and again, I it's one of those instances. Again, it, it's one of those instances where I'm amazed that a movie like that, with the budget that that it had, with the subject matter that it had, to get released in this year. Again, it goes back to one of the same arguments that I did when we did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is there? I am amazed that a movie like this can be released in theaters in 2019 and at the very least make a decent amount of money. Well, granted, and like I said, it's opening weekend, so we'll see how it does box office wise. But yeah. yeah. And so, without a doubt, for lack of a better word, for giving me such a different and interesting and intriguing kind of experience, this is, as of right now, it's my number 10. It's my, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. I freaking, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I really did. Okay. It would not be on my top 10 list. Yeah, it's no. not on my, it's not on my most hated would it, list. Would it, would it be your worst list? No, no. It's oh, a man. movie. It's fine. Yeah, can, it's can fine. I, yeah. Can I just ask something? So, when we do... When it comes to the end of the year, we end up doing like top 10 best worst of the year, decade, whatever we end up doing. Um, I, I'd be very interested for, to um, rattle off, have an episode where you kind of just interview me and ask me about my worst of the year. And I just go through it and kind of explain like all the terrible movies that I've watched. Because I found some amazing gems this year that are like, okay. oh, I'm they're cool awful, doing an episode they're about amazing. This. Sounds fun. That would be great. Sounds fun. And, you know, give me some movies to watch in preparation always, for that. I gotta do that. some homework. Yeah, I've always... But, I've, you know that. Just text me anytime. So, you know, as as per tradition of our show, if, if I had to give it a review... 6 out of 10. You mean a star rating? If I had to give it a star rating... 2, two out of 10. 2 out of 5. 2 out of 5? Uh, okay. Bo- yeah, 2.25 maybe? I don't know. My own custom rating. On Letterboxd... Yeah, no, you're fine. I used to do that shit all the time. No, um, I gave this... Uh, if I'm giving this on Letterboxd, I gave this a 4 out of 5, which is the equivalent of about an 8 out of 10 for me because the whole thing okay. is is that the a, a lot of the stuff was there, like I said, just those few moments that didn't quite work for me. I feel like the Ruth Nega character and kind of the whole Mars section, I feel like that could have been more well done. I feel like that, that was probably... Probably the, the section of the movie that was the most lacking to me, the Liv Tyler stuff, which literally felt like an afterthought, both probably in production and while watching it in the movie. A couple parts with the Donald Sutherland character that didn't quite work for me, where I'm like, he's kind of just there to kind of like act as the conduit is like, oh, I'm the guy who knew your dad. You know, I, I kind of wish there was a little bit more history there and a little bit more backdrop of, oh, that character kind of just comes in, explains away some stuff, gives him the next piece of the plot and then dies. Literally. So that kind of like kind of, kind of makes me a little bit disappointed in the sense of uh, Wasted Donald Sutherland. But yeah, for all the reasons that I already listed that this is a four out of five movie. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I would say that if you're a casual moviegoer, maybe you skip this one. You, you wouldn't be upset about missing it. But if you I would do, agree with that. Yeah, you know, but if you do appreciate film or if you at least 
enjoy supporting the arts and getting out there and seeing a movie, regardless of what it is. And you you can take you you, you can dissect and take away different parts of a movie that are good and bad, as opposed to just looking at it from like a head-on perspective. Give this movie a shot. I'm curious to see what you think about that. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I mean, I, I already said that, like, yeah, this is one of my favorite movies. It doesn't mean I don't have problems with it. I had just listed mm-hmm. off, like, a laundry list of problems that I had that I'm like, no, these are legitimate problems, you know? Yeah. So, just shows you, art is subjective. You don't have yeah. to like everything universally. There are parts of some of my favorite movies ever that I'm like, why the fuck is this in here? And there are parts of some of the most garbage movies I've ever seen I really freaking enjoy. Yeah, and and then I guess I'll just leave you guys with uh, you know a thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We'll have social medias up at the time of this recording. We can't we can't plug them right now. We're actually uh, I'm gonna just pull the curtain back here. You know we're we're gonna make them after this episode, and we're yep. gonna get this going for you guys. But what what I can say is we have episodes on Stranger Things, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and It Too already out. So if you like this chat and you want to hear more of us just clowning around, we have we have a, a couple guests on those episodes. And uh, it was just a good, good, good time, and just like this was. So thank you guys for listening and allowing us to uh, challenge our, 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 our perceptive, our perception on film with an audience. It's nice to critique things in, in under the gun, you know, not just in, see something in an and intellectual it. way that right. doesn't feel like we're just shouting and not making any sense. It, yeah, it's nice to not just see something and say like, oh, that was fun and then brain dump it and forget about it. It's cool to challenge yourself. So I, I, it's it's nice to have you guys along for the journey. Of course. And watch more movies. Like, come on, guys. Stop, stop fucking watching Netflix. Watch more movies. Watch more movies. Once again, my name's Chris. And I'm Dom. And we want to thank you guys for watching our show, our podcast, Talking TV. Until next time. <laughs>